This is The Channel, a podcast from the International Institute for Asian Studies. Welcome to The Channel. I'm your host, Benjamin Linder. Today on the podcast, we're bringing you a conversation about the mechanics of writing well. Tom Robertson is a scholar at Kathmandu University in Nepal. Trained in history, Tom's research focuses on international development with a special focus on the environment. Our conversation today, however, focuses on a different dimension of Tom's work. During COVID-19, Tom launched two initiatives aimed at teaching practical writing techniques, particularly in nonfiction genres. The first of these is a free series of YouTube videos called Mito Lekai. Each video in that series presents tips for clear and effective writing. They focus especially on practical tips, for example, using active voice and avoiding sprawling, lengthy paragraphs. The second initiative is called Writing Journeys, a series of essays by prominent Nepali journalists and authors about the craft of writing. To date, there are over 30 essays published in the online magazine The Record, all freely accessible at recordnepal.com. Tom's mission to teach writing emerged in the particular context of Nepal, and he primarily delivers his YouTube series in the Nepali language. Nevertheless, as he makes clear in our conversation, the tips and strategies he describes are useful for students, academics, and professionals working in any language and in a variety of contexts. As someone who is still constantly honing my own writing and editorial practices, I invited Tom on the podcast to discuss his approach to the art of nonfiction. Without further ado, here is Tom Robertson. Tom Robertson, thanks for joining us on the channel. We appreciate you coming on. Sure thing. It's great to be with you. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about your academic background and how you first started conducting research and working in Nepal? Sure. I'm a historian. I trained at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I finished my PhD in 2005. I first came to Nepal over 30 years ago as an undergraduate, uh, and then later as Peace Corps. Then I went to graduate school. I wrote a dissertation that related to South Asia, but not to Nepal. And as uh, a second project... Uh, I wanted to write about American history, but also about Nepal. And the overlap was U.S. development projects in Nepal. Uh, And the most important of those was malaria uh, and malaria eradication. So that's the project I'm, I'm still working on right now. When we first met, I think it was around 2018, and we met through a mutual friend in the kind of expat academic circles of Nepal. And at that time, you were leading the Fulbright office in Kathmandu. So, of course, Fulbright uh, is centrally concerned with education. So how did you first get interested in education and pedagogy in particular, both generally but also specifically in Nepal? Well, I wanted to live in Nepal, and Fulbright was one way to do so. But I think I... I have to say that I've always been interested in academic mentoring, and Fulbright was a way to do that. Um, I really loved working with grantees. They're such creative, independent people, 
it's so much fun to help them on their journeys. So it wasn't long after we met again around 2018 that I saw you started posting things on a YouTube series that you initiated. And the, the series was called Mito Lekai, which in Nepali translates literally to something like delicious writing or but good writing. Can you describe that series a little bit? Just what was it and what drove you to create it? The series is instructional videos in Nepali language about how to write nonfiction. Uh, I give lots of examples. Uh, the examples are mostly in English, but I speak in Nepali with uh, some English mixed in. Um, I talk about topics like paragraphs, essays, Sometimes I, uh, I have a whole video on verbs. So I pick different subjects, subjects that I think are important, subjects that are uh, useful stepping stones for students and professionals. The videos are aimed at professionals and college-age people, but I think some talented high school students can also use them. Uh, they really work at all levels. And I'll tell you what led me to create it. Some friends asked me to, uh, during lockdown, during COVID lockdown, some friends asked me to um, do a, a workshop with them, an online workshop with them about writing. They had lots of things to say. These were professionals. But they had never had training in how to write. And so that's what they were looking for. And we met each week and picked a different subject each week to focus on. And um, I eventually began to anticipate what we would be talking about and what I would want to say. Uh, often the topics were things I had taught again and again before, so I had certain material, certain items I knew I wanted to say. So I just decided to videotape them um, or create videos of uh, these mini-lectures so that uh, I could share the videos with my friends in advance of our meetings. Um, and then I also could make them available to other people. So that, that's where the series came from. Another uh, way to think about where the series came from is that um, in Nepal, there's very little, almost nothing on writing in schools at any level, um, even at college level. And so students uh, graduate, they become professionals, and they haven't learned the basics of how to write. Um, and I have became very aware of that during my time at Fulbright. Um, I saw Nepal's best students who struggled with writing, in large part because writing's super difficult. Everyone struggles with writing. But it's even harder if you've never gotten any instruction. And there were certain... Uh, learnable skills, discrete skills that I could focus on, um, such as, you know, what is a paragraph, how to think about organizing paragraphs, that I could, using examples, I could explain uh, using a mixture of English and Nepali. Uh, and my friends in this uh, lockdown writing workshop really like these, so I was encouraged and I made more. You distinguish in the videos and also in other things I've read of yours that you've written 
between good writing skills and good English skills, which I think sometimes tend to get conflated, but you do usefully make a distinction there. And so while both are obviously important in different ways, I wonder if you could just reflect and explain that difference a little bit, particularly in the context of Nepal and why it's an important distinction to keep in mind for, say, Nepalese interested in writing nonfiction. Well, in Nepal, uh, in the schools, students are taught grammar, they're taught English, but they're not taught writing. And sometimes they think that grammar and English is all you need in order to learn to write. And I like to point out that in the United States, I had native English speakers who also couldn't write, who needed training, who I taught writing to. Uh, I also like to point out that even though my language skills in Nepali are not perfect, that I'm a pretty good writer in Nepali. And I, I explain that by saying I know writing principles. I know how to organize material. I know what to put first, what to put second. I know how to um, be clear with my word choice. I know how to be concise. Those are all the skills that don't get taught and unfortunately, there's just a big misconception that all you need to know is, is English in order to write well. But there are so many other skills that are part and parcel of, of good writing. One thing I wanted to ask you about was specifically uh, this, this question of Nepali and teaching good writing in Nepali. Um, the videos, as we said, are primarily... Of sort of a mix of English and Nepali. So were there any things in particular that were challenging in that act of translation, of teaching good writing, uh, say tips that emerged in an English language context for you, but then sort of translating those into a Nepali context? That's an interesting question. I decided to make the videos mostly in Nepali because my experience is most people in Nepal are more familiar with Nepali are much more comfortable in Nepali. And I wanted to really make sure that they understood every word that I was saying. Uh, plus, it's also the case that Nepalis like listening to foreigners speak Nepali. Uh, so that adds a little added appeal to, mm -hmm. to the videos, makes them a little more interesting. I mix in English, so anyone who wants to get a little practice English can do that. Uh, to answer your question, I don't think there was anything that difficult to to translate some of the examples the example some of the, sometimes the the actual language translation of the examples is is a little complicated but not the writing principles that I'm focusing on though I will say that there are different cultures of writing um, there's a culture of writing in Nepal that's different from the culture of writing in the U.S. or in, in Western Europe. What do I mean by that? I think Nepal is still mostly an oral culture, and there's great emphasis. There's certain, there's certain conventions that are used. People are not real direct, concise, and to the point the way I think gets hammered into us in the U.S. So that's often a kind of obstacle that my friends, my students, and I need to get around. And I, I don't 
I try to avoid saying one is right and one is wrong, but I do point out the differences and let let my students, let my friends, uh, participants in workshops, let them decide which way they want to do. I think they should learn both ways, and then they can choose and uh, use whatever method they think is appropriate. Here at the International Institute for Asian Studies, I'm, I don't know if you know, I'm primarily working on the, with the team that produces the newsletter, which is our flagship English language publication. And many of our contributors are from Europe or Asia or other parts of the world and don't have English as a first language or even sometimes as a second or third language. And so I can kind of relate to the mission you've pursued in this work of teaching good writing probably a basic question, but what in your experience convinced you that writing was a subject you wanted to focus on? Like to put it in a pithy way, like why does writing well matter so much? Well, a couple things. I mean, first off, it was Nepalis who approached me. They came to me and said, hey, we need this. We have things to say. We are experts in our fields but we don't have the tools with which to say them. And that meant specifically writing skills, uh, how to craft effective sentences, how to um, make paragraphs, how to, in particular, how to pull things together in an essay form. But when they approached me, I was interested in this. I immediately recognized this is something I wanted to do because of my own experience. I... Growing up felt like uh, words didn't come easily to me, that writing was something that was hard, really difficult, maybe even a little unnatural for me, certainly didn't come easily. But then I realized, I, through the benefit of some really excellent teachers, that there are certain skills that you can learn. There are certain steps that demystify the process and take it from some sort of um, magical creation of words to a step-by-step -step process in a lot of cases. And not with everything, but there are certain little tricks you can learn about how to use active verbs, for instance, or how to start a sentence, where to put the dates. There are lots of little learnable skills that are out there, and those skills really, really helped me so that I'm not a brilliant writer, but I'm a decent writer. And I just felt that these skills helped me so much, and I was so grateful to my teachers for taking the time to pass them on that I wanted to do the same uh, with the Nepalis who had approached me. I'd also say that writing, why does writing matter? Writing matters because we can't understand anybody without an intervention through words, and often it's through written words. And there's so many people who have so much to say, but they don't get heard because their words are a jumble, or they're not clear, or they're disorganized. So writing is crucial in every field, not just fields like history, not just uh, social sciences, but in technical fields as well. I, I taught at a technical university in the U.S. for 10 years. And what distinguishes those who move ahead, those who get promotions from those who don't, is often the ability to think clearly and to read and write effectively. 
I want to listen now to just a short clip from one of your videos that you posted on YouTube. This is a video called Easy Excellent Essays in the Mito Lekai collection. So let's just listen to give readers a sense of how these videos sound, and then, and then I'll have a question. Okay, tip two. Short, focused paragraphs. Your tip um, is my favorite of all time. It is so important and so effective. It really helped my own writing tremendously. Our report, Oru, academic writing, ma? Dere jasso paragraph, Oru, four deki eight sentences, some, Rakne. Do you want a lamo nagorne? Do you want a choto nagorne? How sadma, Aina? For newspapers, newspaper go chalan hado alikati fara kunja alik choto kunja paragraph hado. Two to four sentences ausatma, right? Okay, tip three: put the main idea in the first sentence. To paragraph ko mukya idea, this ko main point, this ko mukya tarka first sentence. Paila bakya ma raknu. Okay, we'll pause it there. But what you're doing in these videos is really getting into kind of the nitty gritty elements of writing. And I just thought you already mentioned, for example, active versus passive voice. In that video, you were talking about how many sentences in different media actually should be is sort of ideal for a given paragraph to keep it short and to the point. What are some of the other kind of nitty gritty tips you you focus on in, in the videos and just in general advice that you give to students? Well, I think uh, active versus passive voice, um, short sentences, short paragraphs. Uh, I wasn't making that up when I said that's my all-time favorite tip, um, short paragraphs, um, because that's what actually changed my writing, changed my life because of it. So I have a lot of enthusiasm for that topic. I also emphasize being concrete as opposed to abstract, to use... Specific, clear, concrete language, not general, abstract, vague language. Um, I like to give examples of that. I'd say overall, though, the main point of all of the videos is that, and actually all of my, all of my teaching on writing, is that there are learnable skills, that writing can be studied, it can be learned, and you can make improvement. There's no such thing. I don't believe in natural writers. I think they're people who have a lot, a lot, of, a lot of practice, and so things come easily to them. But it's because they've done, they've had lots of practice that that's the case. And so, like volleyball or playing the violin or whatever, um, the more practice you get, the more you improve. And uh, I repeat that again and again throughout my videos because I'm worried in Nepal people think, oh, somebody else writes well because they were born that way and that's just how it is and I can't learn to write. Um, and I think it's just the opposite. I think everyone can learn to write. And I think focusing on these specific skills, the nitty-gritty, is the way to do it. So I like to get into paragraph organization that's the most important thing for me. I see paragraphs as the, 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 the main building block. Um, I do talk about sentence-level things, um, verbs, transitions, signposting in general. And I will talk about essay organization, so 
slightly larger scale um, tips. But I, I love the nitty-gritty. That's a perfect segue into the second project I want to talk about with you, which is this collaboration you have with The Record. And for readers who may be unfamiliar, The Record is a really well-regarded online magazine, mostly independent, long-form journalism in Nepal. I know you and I have both published with The Record previously. And I think it was in 2021, you published or you began publishing a series called Writing Journeys. And it sort of relates to what you said about showing that writers are not born, they're made. And they're, you know, it's through practice and sort of diligent repetition of these tips that you're teaching that good writers can be fostered. Can you just say a little bit about what this writing journeys series is in the record and how did that come to be? Writing journeys is a collection of articles by Nepali writers, by well-known Nepali writers, mostly nonfiction writers, but not exclusively. It's a collection of essays that they write about their own writing journeys, about how they learned to write, about who taught them, about key discoveries they made in the process, about uh, favorite breakthrough works that, that helped them get better known to the larger public. What I wanted to do was I wanted Nepalis to hear from other Nepalis that writing is something that is learnable, that there are specific skills. Uh, I just thought that it's one thing for me to say that, but it's another thing to prove that with the lives, with the experience, the experiences of well-known Nepali writers. So they explain the little tips, the little steps that they made that helped them in their writing. Um, and then it becomes a lot more believable. Plus, they do it in, in storytelling fashion. It's, just, it's really just a collection of stories about writing, about what makes it hard, about how improvement can be made, about what time of day they write, about what conditions they write in, about what joys writing brings them. It's all those sorts of things. How did you select the Nepali authors and writers that you chose for the series? And also, what was their reaction? Were they, were they eager and enthusiastic to, to join the project? I mostly looked for nonfiction writers because fiction writers in Nepal have gotten a little more attention. And I wanted to focus on a different kind of writing, not just fiction, but everyday writing. Uh, writing for letters, writing for reports, writing essays, um, and uh, writing for journalism. Um, I felt those topics had gotten almost no attention. And there were these great writers around who, whose business, who loved to write. And so uh, I approached them. I often started, well, I, I did start with people I knew in the beginning, uh, and then also relied on recommendations from friends. Uh, Pranaya Rana, my main editor, collaborator at The Record, had lots of great ideas and contacts. People were, um, not everybody said yes, but most did. They were enthusiastic. Sometimes I had to explain a little of what I wanted, especially at the beginning, what I was looking for. And I think... 
in general, um, people liked the process. They liked doing it. They feel that the, the writing assignment took them to places, took them to memories that they hadn't visited in a while, and helped them pull together just some experiences. Um, it helped them reflect on their own evolution as a writer. So for the most part, people really liked the process, and um, I liked that they liked it. Uh, we also did lots of versions. We did lots <laughs> nobody, nobody um, was able to publish something on the first draft. That just um, did not happen. And even, even well-known uh, writers I asked to do uh, sometimes three or four um, edits, um, which was also a, a very productive and fun process for, for me and I think for them too. Yeah, one of the first essays I think I read in the series, not the first one that you posted, but was the one by Manjushri Thapa, who's, for those who may not know, this sort of extraordinary essayist, novelist, short story writer, and, and translator also. And in her essay, to your point, she describes the sort of all-too-real slog of just revising and re-revising a piece of writing across multiple drafts. And as someone who has always loved her work, her fiction and her nonfiction, I really enjoyed kind of peeking behind the curtain of her writing process and seeing that even for someone who I might think of as uh, if anyone was ever a natural talent, it would be someone like her to see that she also has this kind of experience of slogging through revision. So I, I did really appreciate that. Did any of the contributions have that kind of effect on you, either by surprising you or getting you to think differently about your own practice of writing? Well, I'll say that I too loved Manjushri Tapa's writing journey. She took a different approach. She wrote less about her own writing journey and more about the journey of her drafts from blank pages to polished, finished product. Um, and I also found it very reassuring uh, to hear the kind of difficulties that she had because if she has those kind of difficulties, then of course other people do as well. And I think a lot of people had that reaction. I think uh, I... All the essays are different, and they all add something slightly different. They all have different ways of expressing the stories as well. I, I'd i say that Kunda Dixit talking about interviewing was really interesting to me. Uh, interviewing is not easy, and he had some specific ideas, saved the toughest question for last, that had never occurred to me and seemed like a very useful idea. Uh, Sanjay Upadhyay, who um, has done a, a lot of um, journalism work, uh, both in Nepal and internationally, he says that he often starts an article by writing a 300-word version. So uh, a version that is shorter than what the final length is going to be, but much longer than a, you know, just a sketchy outline. It's, that's a full page. Um, and I, I, I learned from that. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. 
Is this series at the record going to continue? I know that you're about to start or have recently started a lecture position at Kathmandu University's Dulikel Hospital. So are you going to continue with any kind of this writing work or is now the academic and research focus taking up too much of your schedule? No, I, I plan to continue. Um, and in fact, the two work together. I What I do at KU is... Um, one of the, my responsibilities is to teach writing, to teach public speaking. And so that allows me to, to generate new material all the time. And I'm collecting that material and we'll collate it and we'll use it in either Writing Journeys articles or in Mito Lekai videos. So more, more is coming. It's also reminded me of how important it is to... I mean, this work at KU has reminded me of how, how necessary it is to focus on academic writing um, as a specific kind of nonfiction writing. Almost all my tips relate to academic writing. Um, so everything I've done so far, all the videos, are applicable to not just general nonfiction writing, but also academic writing as well. But I'm going to I'm, I'm going to do some very specific videos on academic writing and some articles on academic writing. That's coming up. For listeners who are first encountering you through this podcast, we may have given the false impression that your primary occupation is teaching writing, when in fact you are, as we mentioned at the beginning, you have your own long history of scholarship in Nepal and South Asia. So I wonder, I wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of tell us what you're working on at the moment in terms of your own research and teaching work. Sure. I've, uh, I'm, I'm working on um, writing up a lot of research I've done over the last decade um, related to the malaria eradication project in the 50s and 60s uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, the U.S. was very involved in that. A number of Americans were involved. I also have done a lot of work as an outgrowth of the malaria project. I've done a lot of work in Chitwan district in south central Nepal and I'm working uh, this week I'm trying to finish an article on the origins of Chitwan National Park and on the role of grasslands grasslands in that park and the interactions of people with grasslands over the decades and centuries and how how that history was often forgotten and um, the problems that forgetting that history caused for the national park. So I have a number of um, environmental history writings um, that I've researched that I need, to, I need to get done. I have drafts of them. I need to finish them up. I also have done a lot of writing recently about uh, Kathmandu. Uh, the city has changed so dramatically in the last five decades there are a lot of fascinating historical stories that need to be told. So I'm trying to work on some of those as well. Yeah, I hope we can talk more about that moving forward. Because, I mean, as you know, the transformation of Kathmandu in recent decades is a research topic that's near and dear to my heart. But as we sort of approach the conclusion of the episode, I wanted to ask two more questions. First, what other resources might you recommend for students, say, outside Nepal or in Nepal, who are eager to improve their writing skills? 
Well, there's a classic book by William Zinser, Z-I-N-S-S-E-R, I think, um, called On Writing Well, On Writing Well. And it's, it, um, parts of it are a little dated, but parts of it are great. And I, I, <laughs> I use them with, with my students, with my workshop participants uh, all the time. Um, I also, another more recent book on writing is Roy Peter Clark's Writing Tools, um, which I think is really easy to read and really smart. Um, he has great examples. He um, summarizes things very well. So I'd recommend those two, Roy Peter Clark's Writing Tools and William Zinser's On Writing Well. Last question. If you had one piece of advice that you yourself could give to budding writers, particularly those seeking to write in a second or third language, what would that piece of advice be? Well, my all-time favorite tip is short, focused paragraphs. Uh, Short is important, but even more important is to make your paragraphs focused. Um, Know what your paragraph is about and cut, cut, cut anything that doesn't belong. When I learned this, my writing improved dramatically almost overnight. Someone, a professor made a suggestion to me at one point that I try to limit my paragraphs to about five sentences. Um, Sometimes they're a little shorter, sometimes they're a little longer. And what that forced me to do was, at first I thought it would be easy oh, I don't have to write as much. But actually, it's a lot harder because I have to really decide what to put in the paragraph and what not to put in the paragraph. That makes me decide what is it really about. Um, And once you do that, you can, in the first sentence, explain the main point. And that just makes it so much easier for readers to figure out what you're driving at. Before I learned how to write short, focused paragraphs, I would have long, um, sprawling paragraphs that must have been a, just a tough slog for for readers. And so that's my that's my favorite advice: keep keep what you're writing short, keep it concise, keep it to the point. You want to make uh, sentences ten to fifteen words, not super long. Some of them can be much shorter than that. I'm a big fan of a, of short sentences to start a paragraph. Um, so that would be my one piece of advice. Uh, I think what that does is it makes reading easier, it makes getting through your writing easier for readers. I think we forget readers, but they have, uh, they have a tough, tough job, and we need to make it easier for them. Well, I look forward to seeing what comes in the future with both the Writing Journey series and the record and also your Mito Lekai series on YouTube and wishing you all the best of luck with your Kathmandu University appointment and looking forward to reading your coming research as well. Tom Robertson, thank you again for joining us on the channel. We really appreciate you taking the time. Sure thing. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. was Tom Robertson, an environmental historian based at Kathmandu University. His Mito Lekai videos are available on YouTube, 
and I encourage our listeners to check out the Writing Journey series at recordnepal.com. Thank you for listening to the channel. Please subscribe to receive all future episodes. This podcast is brought to you by the International Institute for Asian Studies, a globally oriented institution based at Leiden University in the Netherlands. We are dedicated to fostering an integrated, multidisciplinary understanding of Asia and beyond, and we would love for you to get involved. For more information on our conferences, webinars, publications, and fellowship program, please visit eas.asia. That's iiasasia. See you next time.